The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Schaap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about some different ways to think about marketing. Joining us is Matt Edmondson, who is the CEO of Orion Digital, which is a company that offers coaching and consulting for e-commerce businesses. Matt also owns Curious Digital, an experience-based e-commerce platform, and is also the host of the e-commerce podcast. And today, Matt and I are going to discuss what he calls toilet seat marketing. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Matt Edmondson, the CEO of Orion Digital. Matt, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me on. I much appreciate it. Excited to have you. Always good to have a fellow podcast host here. You've been doing the e-commerce podcast. You mentioned you were on season eight. Yeah. How'd you get from being an e-commerce agency owner, platform owner, and you decided to get into podcasting? What are you thinking? A friend of mine told me I had a beautiful face for radio. So it was one of those things where we did a podcast years ago for one of my e-commerce businesses. We just decided to try it and see how it went. And it was all about beauty because we owned a beauty website, as you can tell, for those who see the video. But we started the podcast back then and we just had such a blast. And I didn't care whether anybody listened to it or not. We just had such a riot doing the show that a few years ago, one of the team just said to me, why don't you just do one on e-commerce? Because this is what we did. It was our life's blood. And I said, well, geez, I don't understand why I didn't think about that before. So here we are eight seasons later. Look at you now, you're talking head, and this is an audio-only format, but everybody, Matt's not as bad-looking as he makes it seem. He's yeah. <laughs> quite a handsome guy, and uh, great lighting. So, look, you're a podcast host. We get to have a nice conversation from us two talking head professionals, but you also obviously work in e-commerce. The title for this episode is called Toilet Seat Marketing, which to me seems like something like I'm sitting on the toilet and I'm flicking through Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, what have you, which ads are going to grab my attention. That's my guess of what toilet seat marketing. What do you think toilet seat marketing is? We could go with that if you like. I mean, it's not what I've talked about before. This The whole thing about toilet seat marketing, I have to be honest, I stole the whole idea from a friend of mine. I heard him talk in a conference once. And I thought it was so good, this whole idea of toilet seat marketing, that I decided to actually expand on it and take it further. And we've been using it very successfully in our business. Basically, the best way to explain it is for me to tell you a story. And the story goes like this. My friend, a guy called Rich, lives in Dallas, Texas. Shout out to Rich. 
he tells a story of when he worked in a hotel. I don't know if this is a true story. I genuinely need to find out from him, but I like the story. anyway. And he was working in a hotel and the hotel gave a monthly award to the best cleaners. So he was one of the cleaners making his way through college. And his job was to clean the customer toilets. And there was three or four people who were supposed to clean the toilets, right? That was their job. And every month he got the award for being the best toilet seat cleaner because he got the best customer feedback. And the other cleaners got envious. And so they cleaned harder and they tried harder and they did all the things they knew to do, but they could never win it. So exasperated, they head over to Rich one day and say, dude, what is the secret of your success? What is it that you're doing that we're not doing, why do you keep winning? Please tell me it's not use your tongue. No, no, no. Good. Or your toothbrush. Right. If you remind me later, I'll tell you the toothbrush story. We're thinking of the same vein here. <laughs> no, there's definitely a story with the toothbrush, but we won't go there just yet. So Rich says to these guys, listen, let's go to the toilet. You show me how you clean the toilet. And so they went to a cubicle and they cleaned the cubicle. They cleaned it top to bottom. And they said, that's how we do it. And so Rich said, well, there is one key difference between the way you clean the toilet and the way that I clean the toilet. You clean it as you go in the door. If you can imagine the way they were cleaning the toilet is they went in the door and they just got on their knees and they started to clean. Rich says, the one thing I do is I turn around and I sit down on the toilet and I clean from sitting down on the toilet because that is how the customer sees this store when they're using it. The moral of the story is very much simply this. Turn around and sit on the toilet seat and see your business, see your marketing, see your whole processes from your customer's point of view versus how you think you should be seeing them. And as business owners, as entrepreneurs, e-commerce entrepreneurs, we just get in this mindset, this zone of doing the grind day in, day out, because that's how we think it should be done. So yeah, I like this idea of toilet seat thinking so much. I actually, if this is an audio only podcast, your viewers won't be able to see it, but you will. He actually has a toilet seat, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I have one here in my office that we regularly sit on. I have been known at conferences to give out toilet seats for people to sit on. And we just do this whole exercise. What is life like from your customer's point of view? Sit on the toilet seat. I thought it was quite a catchy story. And that's where it all came from. All right. So the idea of toilet seat marketing is that you need to put yourselves in the perspective of the customers. When you're looking at your business, you're not literally sitting on a toilet and putting yourself in the perspective. So what are the ways that marketers can put themselves in the shoes of their customers and see what their actual experience is? There's a whole bunch of ways you can do this. And I'll tell you another story that this was what can only be described as a huge moment of revelation for me. We ran a beauty website. I say ran because recently I've just sold it. But for many years, 15 years, I ran a significant website selling beauty products here in the UK. We distributed all over Europe. Great, great website. But for the first part of its life, let's say probably for the first half of its life, the website was designed maybe three times. We went through three design iterations. And I did all of those designs. I did them myself. I mocked them up in Photoshop. I'd work with the designers. We'd lay it out based on what I thought we needed to do. It wasn't until about halfway through its journey as a business that I thought, you know what? 95% of our customers were female. There's a shocker. Yeah, yeah. Not a shocker for a beauty website, sure. So 95% of the visitors to the site were female, yet the site was designed by a male. 
So I'm like, I've got this all wrong. We were thinking about what should the new site look like? We tried to refresh it, do something every couple of years to keep it fresh. So what we did was I went to the same guy I got the toilet story from, a guy called Rich, such a cool guy. He has a branding marketing firm in Dallas, Texas, and he has a number of female designers that work for him. And I'd met them on a few trips to his office. And I reached out to him and said, Rich, listen, if I was to design this, it's going to be completely wrong. I need to hire your female designers. I need designers who understand who my customer is to design this website. So we got them involved. And you know what? The design they came up with was completely different to what it was. And it was completely different to what I thought it could be if I'd personally designed it. Then that result, conversions went up. I feel like there's a lesson that every early entrepreneur learns. I know that I did this. My first website or my first startup was strumschool.com, a guitar lesson website. And I was in the target market as somebody who was trying to learn how to play the guitar. But I assumed because I was in the target market that I knew what the customers wanted and needed. And I feel like that's an obvious mistake that people could tell you, but you don't realize it until you've gone through it that your judgment or or your intuition about what your customers need is often wrong. And so there's a balance of trying to make the right decision because you have information about your customers and you have research and just generally know, and you know what your products should look like, smell like, taste like, you know, what have you. How do you find the balance of using your intuition and data from your customers? You know, how do you figure out what you think is right as opposed to what the customers actually want? That's a really good question because actually the customer's not always right. I mean, that's something that you learn very quickly in your business career. The customer is definitely not always right. And so in e-commerce, it's pretty easy to actually figure it out because you do what we call split tests or A-B tests. So you test two different hypotheses, you test two different ideas and you see which one actually wins. Quite often, it's not the one that you predict. There's something somewhere which is nuanced and you're not quite sure why. And this is where testing, I think, is so, so powerful because with the best will in the world, right? If I'm running a website as a man aimed at women, I'm going to have some ideas, but I'm not going to be able to get it all right. I'm just not. So we can hypothesize and we can test and we can tweak things based on those tests. And I think that is a really powerful tool. And as they say, is always in the pudding, isn't it? And so if conversions go up, which is very easy to measure online, let's be real. If conversions go up, then you know you're on the right track. If conversions are going down, something somewhere is not connecting and it's not vibing and you need to redress that. You know, I think that the idea of looking at data to validate your hypotheses is one way to figure out. I actually respectfully disagree a little. I, I think that it's dangerous to use data and A-B testing at times in e-commerce and, and not necessarily in the marketing practice, but when you're thinking about the product development. Let's say I'm building, a, I don't know, a, a light for podcasting to make sure that your lights are all great. I just bought a Loom Cube the other day, <laughs> one of my big Black Friday holiday purchases. I bought a $99 light for my office. Pushing the boat out there, man. Yeah, there you go. Enjoy, Loom Cube. You're welcome. Not a paid promotion. <laughs> Anyway, they're circular. Maybe the designer originally thought that the Loom Cube should be square. Well, you know, if you create two different versions in your product and you launch them both, you're out sort of out with your R&D. It's the product development cycles and costs are really expensive as opposed to with SaaS. You can kind of build something, launch it and tweak it. When you think about understanding what your customers want from the beginning, when you don't have a lot of data, how do you figure out what their needs are when you're doing something net new and, and where does your intuition come in? 
again, I think you can validate. So going with your light idea, if I was going to manufacture the light, I'd go, well, which one is going to pull the square one or the round one? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to run Facebook ads with the same copy. The only thing that's different is a picture. One is a computer mock-up of a square one. One is a computer mock-up of a round one. And I'm just going to do something simple like how many people click each ad? Is there a preference? Yes or no? So I think sometimes you can validate. But I totally agree when it comes to creating some kind of product, the reason you're creating it is more than likely that product doesn't exist, or at least in your marketing, your sphere, it doesn't exist. And so you're trying to create something with very little information. We've done that in the past. And sometimes that's gone well, sometimes that hasn't gone well. And I think that's where being an entrepreneur is interesting, isn't it? Because you are often faced with an idea or a belief or just a gut sense that something could work and you're bought into it. And there's no logic to it. There's no rhyme or reason. And you push it through. I think if I look at the statistics for e-commerce businesses, and if I look at the amount of people that come to me who have just started out in e-commerce, so maybe they're either just launching the site or they're maybe six to 12 months into the site, the biggest complaint or the biggest question they have by far is not how do I generate traffic to my website? Because we've kind of figured that out with Facebook. Anybody, if you've got enough money, you can get traffic to your website. The issue that they have is my website has got traffic, but it hasn't got any sales. Okay. And if I hear one complaint, it's that it's like, why are people not buying the product? And I would venture to say it's because of a number of reasons. There are three or four key reasons. For me, the number one reason is people aren't buying your product is because they don't want to. And that sounds like a really obvious statement to make, right? But we can put it in economic terms. There's no demand for your product. In other words, you went and got a product, you didn't research, you didn't go find out if there was a need, you didn't go find out if there was demand for that product, you didn't test, you just went ahead and done it, and now you're out because no one actually wants to buy it. The moral of the story here is that you have to put yourself in your customer's shoes. And often you're looking at your website data, your conversion data, maybe survey data. But there are times specifically in e-commerce where you're building new products, you're launching something net new where you don't have the ability to look at that data. So to me, there's two routes to go. One, talk to your customers, talk to the people that you think are in your target market and use the feedback that they give you to help guide you along the development process. Or two, Matt, what you said is you start marketing before you actually have your product and you're using your marketing efforts as a signal to figure out what the view looks like from your customer's toilet seat. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Matt Edmondson, the CEO of Orion Digital. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Matt and I are going to talk about customer centricity in marketing. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Matt, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is Matt Edmondson. That's M-A-T-T-E-D-M-U-N-D-S-O-N. Or you could visit his company's website, which is oriondigital.com. And I'll spell that as well. A-U-R-I-O-N digital.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. 
And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.